Another day, another loss for the Detroit Pistons. They have now lost 20 straight games. They are six games away from the NBA longest losing streak in a season record. It's getting bad, man. It just keeps getting worse and worse. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account or use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. The Detroit Pistons have now lost 20 straight games. They are six games away from the record for most losses in a row in the current season. Now, the longest losing streak in totality is 28 by the Sixers, but that's between two seasons. In just one season, it's 26 straight games. The Pistons are at 20. And we've looked at their schedule multiple times. And... It's, it's, I wonder what the odds are. I wonder if there even are odds somewhere on what the Pistons chance are, chances to break that record. Cause I have to assume it's close to likely. Um, yeah, another game, another loss. Uh, we'll talk about, so, I, I'm going to try to pull some positives away, changes to their offensive play style. Um, some additions we saw to their offense in this game. We'll talk about it later. Um, and then also, I want to talk about their defensive issues in the final segment. I was at this game. I was credentialed for, the, credentialed for this game. Um, it, with games that I'm actually at, I get to see and hear a lot more things and really get to see where, like, you know, miscues are happening, why they're happening, players' reactions, what they say, like, all that kind of stuff. So I have some takeaways with that on their defense. Um, but... First thing I want to say is this. I already see it coming. I've already seen some people do it. I've already seen some people do it, so I want to nip it in the bud right now. Later on, when I, while I am going to talk about some positives, I guess, from their offense, some things that they can try to do moving forward, I want to say this. They played the Indiana Pacers defense. The Indiana Pacers defense is the worst defense in the entire NBA. You don't have to go too far ago, too far long ago, where we had the exact same discussion about the exact same thing. November 24th against the Indiana Pacers, the Pistons lost 113-136. to And after that game, I came on the podcast and said, the Pacers defense is the worst defense in the entire NBA. It is not shocking, and it is not some moral victory that the Pistons were able to score like they did against the worst defense in the NBA because everybody does that against the worst defense in the NBA. And I had fans saying, oh, come on, you got to be positive. You got to take some stuff away. That's not true. You just, they can do this every game. They, you know, blah, 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 all that stuff, okay? There, there's been seven games played in between when the Pistons last played Indiana on November 24th and today, December 11th. There's been seven games played. In those seven games, since the last time the Pistons played the Pacers, 
The Pistons have the worst offensive rating in the entire NBA by more than a point. They have 103.5 offensive rating. Second lowest is 104.6. So they have the worst offensive rating in between playing the Indiana Pacers in the entire NBA. So when they're not playing the worst defense in the NBA, they have been quite literally the worst offense in the entire NBA. So while I am going to take away some things from this game that maybe they can try to do moving forward offensively, the majority, the 95% of what you saw tonight is the fact that the Detroit Pistons went against the worst defense in the entire NBA. When they have not played against this Pacers defense, they have been the worst offense in the NBA. So do not come in trying to, you know, take moral victories in the 20th game in the row they've lost six games away from the NBA record of lo- of the single-season losing streak with some positives offensively against the worst defense in the entire NBA. It's just not going to happen. Until this team can prove, one, they can win an NBA basketball game, and two, they can score against a non-worst NBA defense in the league team, I don't care. I'm not taking anything from it. I don't care. You're not going to get me to be taking more victories out of stuff. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So that's the first thing I wanted to say. Because I've already seen it start to happen. And this is the exact same thing that happened after November 24th. And I said, this is going to happen. And people are going to act like this was a good thing. But the Pistons played the worst defense in the NBA. They're not going to do this again. And it's exactly what happened. So I had to nip it in the bud instantly. Some other things I want to talk about. Being at this game might might have been one of the most depressing. It, it probably was the most depressing event that I've ever been to. Not only was Little Caesars Arena basically empty, basically empty, it was quiet as a mouse, basically, throughout the entire game. It was so quiet that I almost started, like, I almost tweeted out and started asking people. Are the Pistons the only stadium that, you know, plays, like, audio through the speakers so loud? Like, music during the game so loud and just, like, different sound effects so loud? And then I started to realize, well, it probably feels like it's so loud because everything else is just so quiet. So not only was it so empty, it was quiet. But even at the beginning of the fourth quarter, as soon as Indiana made one run, everyone started going to the, ent- the exits. Like, it was even halfway through the fourth yet, and guys, you know, people are heading for the exits, dipping out. Throughout the entire fourth quarter, you're getting chance of sell the team. You're getting players, uh, the team being booed. You're getting fans screaming some crazy stuff at the players. And all of this stuff, even the absolute smallest chants were being heard throughout the entire stadium because of how quiet it was. Everyone, you want to talk about the energy with the team itself? The, the feelings, the emotions of the team itself. Look at the vibe and the energy of everything surrounding the team. It's at its slowest I've ever seen it. I, like, this is, it's embarrassing and it's really, really depressing to be around. Like, it was, it was sad. It was sad to see. Um, and I just, we've talked about this many times, man. I don't know when it's going to end. I have no idea when it's going to end. Things change needs to happen. I'm going to come on this podcast. And I'm going to say change needs to happen every single day until something does. Until something does change, it will be the first takeaway of every single podcast I do until change happens. 
Change needs to happen. You have lost 20 games in a row. You are the black eye of the NBA. It's nothing but depression and sadness around your team, with the team, with its fan base, with the city, across the league, nationally. You're getting talked about nationally in an embarrassing fashion. People you're, people are calling you the black eye of the NBA, and for good reason. You're ruining the development of players. You're, people are picking up, players are picking up bad habits. Change needs to happen immediately, man. It has to happen. This is not okay. This is not okay, man. It's just, it's just not. It's just not. So that's the first thing we're going to talk about, man. I, I, that was just the first thing I had to get out the way. Because um, I, like I've told you guys, ever since I think it was like after the 10th game in a row, I said, I'm going to keep pressure on. I'm, I'm just going to keep applying pressure every podcast. And I'm not going to let anyone off the hook because this is reaching levels. The Pistons have a chance to be the worst team in NBA history this year. And that's not me joking. That's not me exaggerating at all. They have a chance to be the worst NBA team we have ever seen in the NBA's history. The NBA has been around for nearly 100 years, and they might be. They have a chance to end this season as the worst team ever in year four of the rebuild. Changes need to happen. I'm not going to stop taking the first segment of each podcast, putting pressure on until something does happen. Something. Something has to happen. When we come back, while I say you need to see this happen against an actually good defense, there are some things that I hope they try to do against those good defense. I don't know how effective it's going to be because they've been the worst offense in the NBA when they don't get, go against the Pacers. But I'd like to see how effective these things actually are against other teams. We'll talk about what those things are when we come back. Man, I I, I can't believe it's been 20 games. <laughs> like, I can't believe it's been 20 games. Anyways, when we come back, we'll talk about that. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Game Time. And Game Time, again, I've told you guys this many, many times. If I want to purchase tickets to a sporting event, to a theater event, to a comedy event, uh, a concert, if I want to purchase any kind of tickets like that, I am going to game time for multiple reasons. One, I'm a procrastinator, so I wait to the final second with just about everything. And when I go to purchase tickets through any other service, it ends up screwing me over because I wait to the last second. Well, with game time, you get great deals and last-minute tickets all the way up to the start of the event and even after the start of whatever event you're looking at. And it bails people out like me who are procrastinators. That's the number one reason why I absolutely love game time. Another reason why I love Game Time, they have absolutely amazing, killer, last-minute deals. And along with having amazing deals and amazing uh, flash deals, zone deals, you also get to see the view of your seat on the app. So you don't have to wait till you get to the game or you wait till you get to the event or the concert or whatever. And you see, oh, God, this, these, these seats weren't that great, man. I should have got better seats. Well, you get to find out before you purchase them on Game Time. I absolutely love Game Time for those reasons. Another reason why Game Time is absolutely amazing. You don't have to go through digging through your email after you purchase your tickets. Right there on the app, two taps, you're set. You don't have to go searching through it. Don't have to get lost. Not going to be a hassle. Game Time literally makes everything easy for you when purchasing tickets. So that's why I love Game Time. It's the best option for me, and it should be the best option for you when considering purchasing tickets to any event. So download the GameTime app and create an account and use code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. 
with game time. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. So they did make the Pistons did make some changes to their offense. At least tried to make some changes to their offense in this game. And I think the obvious... The most obvious one they'd made, and one that could have been a simple change, it shouldn't have never even had been a change, to be honest. It should have been something that happened right out the gate, which was just give Jane Ivy the ball a little bit more. You want to bring him off the bench, that's fine. I'd start him. You want to bring him off the bench, that's fine. But playing him 23 minutes, 18 minutes, 15 minutes off the bench, that's just insane. This game, he played 34 minutes. This game, he took 15 shots. He shot 7-15 from the floor. 0-3 from deep. Not good at all. But 7-15 from the floor, 18 points, was effective in his minutes, and was a scoring punch off the bench. That should be what Jane Ivey is every single game. Every single game. Now, maybe he doesn't get 15 shots every game. Maybe one game he has 19 or 9. Another game he has 19. Then he'll have 10. Then he'll have 16. Then he'll have maybe 8 one game. Like he, the, 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 the shots may vary. But the usage and the minutes and how much you're utilizing him as a as not just a scorer but as a playmaker, as someone who can put pressure on the rim, should be there every single game. That shouldn't be something that just leaves for stretches of games and then randomly shows back up. That should be every single night. That's the number one biggest takeaway and biggest change they made to their offense tonight that can easily be sustainable moving forward. Just put the ball in Ivy's hands more and have him be more involved in the offense every single night. There's no reason why he shouldn't be. I do want to say with the guards, though, before I move on to the next thing, the Pistons have a problem with their guards, with how they use them. Because so far this season, I'd say their biggest bright spot, you know, the position that's had the most positive is probably their guard rotation with Cade, Ivy, and Killian Hayes. But every single night, you could never get all three of them going for the entire game. So like in this game, Ivy and Kay took all the shots and scored. Killian only ended up with four. You go to the game before against the Dallas Mav or against the Orlando Magic. Jane Ivy only has eight points, barely shoots. But Killian Hayes has 16, shoots well. Kay Cunningham has 21, shoots well. You go to the game before that one, same thing. Ivy barely gets used. I, Ivy barely gets used in that game. Killing takes a lot of shots. K takes a lot of shots. Game before that one, Jay and Ivy takes a lot of shots. Killing doesn't take a lot of shots. K, those three guys need to be a pretty big focus of your team because they have been one of the only bright spots on your team, and they've been one. They've been your three, probably your three of the four or five best players on your team this season. You cannot like you need to find a way, which I don't think is too hard. But you need to find a way to where all three of them are impacting the game and, and and providing a spark for you throughout the game. All three of them. It shouldn't be you shouldn't have to pick just two of them and then and then one of them just out random games. Now Cade's always gonna be there because Cade is always gonna get shots up. He's always gonna get that usage. But it's either it seems like it's either Killian or Ivy. Either Killian gets shots and then Ivy gets four shots, or Ivy gets shots and then Killian gets four shots. Why can't all three of them? be impactful within a game? Why can't the Pistons utilize all three of those guys and allow them to help them win a game? 
all three of them throughout one game. I, I don't understand why that's something that they're struggling with so bad this year. If Killian's having a good game and he's taking shots, that means Ivy's not taking shots. If Ivy's having a good game and taking shots, that means Killian's not taking shots. I don't understand. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. So I think that's something they need to try to find out a fix to in the future. Because in a game, like a few games ago, I forget which one it was, but in the first half, all three of them were playing really well. They all had nine points. They all took around five shots. And the Pistons had played extremely well in that first half. And it was because all three of them were involved. We haven't seen them involved like that since. I don't get it. I, I don't understand why the Pistons are purposely minimizing like one player per game. And most of the time, it's Ivy. This game, it was Killian Hayes. Most time, it's Ivy. Ivy, if Killian Hayes and Kate are getting shots up, that means Ivy just apparently isn't going to get any shots. But it, it always is at least one of them. I don't understand why you can't have... There's plenty of shots for all three and plenty of uses for all three. So I, I don't get it. So I hope that's something that they change moving forward because they need to if they want to win some games. They need those three guys to all be hitting on the same, you know, at the same mark throughout a game. Um, Next thing, though, that they did in this game that I hope they continue to do moving forward. Who, who do you guys, you know, who do you guys listen to every single day, make your first listen every single day, that since the offseason has talked about the versatile ways, um, the different ways you can use Asar Thompson offensively? You know, who's the one that's talked about, you know, every single day it feels like, how how versatile Asar is, and how Asar can be used in so many different ways, and how his skill set is just so unique, and that you can do so many different things with him, and he's so he can be so effective, and he can be this great player, uh, yada, yada, yada. Who's been the one telling you guys this? Who's been the one telling you guys this for weeks? That the Pistons need to start using Asar in the screening game. They need to play a spaced-out lineup and run screen and roll with Asar and a ball handler. Heck, an inverted screen and roll with Asar as the ball handler and another guy as a ball handler. Like, or using Asar in the DHO actions. Who's been the main one? Or, heck, even other actions. Is any action that gets Asar diving towards the rim. Most common ones are, you know, screen and roll and DHO action, some of the Pistons like doing a lot. But who's been the main one that you guys listen to every single day that's been saying to do this for weeks, months, since they drafted Asar Thompson? It's this guy. I've been saying for the longest time to get Asar used or get get Asar involved in the screen and roll game and the DHO action, not to have him just spotting up. And in this game against the Pacers, before the game, Monty spoke about, Hey, you know, we think we're going to probably start trying to use Asar Thompson more in the screen and roll game and try to get him going to the basket more. Oh, who would have thought? In this game, they started to use Asar as a screener more. In this game, they started to use Asar as in the DHO game. In this game, they started to put Asar, the ball in Asar's hands more. Get him involved in some pick and rolls. Get him going downhill. In this game, they started Asar Thompson. And in this game that they decided to do that, after Asar Thompson had played pretty horrifically over the last four or five games, more than half his shot attempts were coming from three. He was shooting 16% from three, 27% from the field. They start him. They start using him in all those different type of ways. And guess who goes off for 20 points on 8 of 10 shooting? Asar Thompson. It's not hard. It truly is not. It's not. Asar is a very unique player. He has a very, very unique and versatile skill set. And that's not a bad thing. He can do so many different things. There's so many different ways you can use him offensively. And that should be an amazing asset to have. But so far throughout this year, even when Asar was playing really well, I don't feel like they were using him like this. It was more so just Asar making things happen out of nothing. 
when he was playing really well, which again shows cases how versatile, how much, how unique his skill set is. But even during that stretch, I don't feel like they were using him in the most creative way possible. In this game against the Pacers, you saw him screen rolling, you saw him DHOs, handing off, faking the handoff and going, you saw him getting to the basket, and ones, drawing fouls, dunking. All of his shots, he only took two threes tonight. He went, what was it, he went 7-8 on all two-pointers. He was going at the basket at will because they were putting him in positions that had him going towards the basket, not in positions where he's spotting up in the corner or he's spotting up at the wing and he's forced to shoot threes. I don't understand why that was ever something they started trying to do, and I don't understand why it took until game 23 until they started using him in action that involved him diving towards the basket that not only utilizes his freakish athleticism, I, I don't know who is a better athlete in the NBA outside, maybe his brother. I still think I manage the best athlete in the NBA probably. I think he's just insane. Asar is probably right behind him. But either way, not many people are going to be able to say they're as good of an athlete as Asar. So you're taking advantage of his athleticism going to the rim. And then you're also taking advantage of his great playmaking. His ability to make rolls out of the short read or the short roll. His ability to hit the dump off, to throw a lob, to hit the opposite corner skip pass. He's able to do all those things. He can make those reads quickly. And you need that out of someone who's rolling to the basket in the short roll. And you also need someone to combine with that, obviously, to be able to finish around the rim. I don't understand why it took this long to get that from Asar Thompson, but you got it tonight. And he looked absolutely amazing for the Detroit Pistons. I'm going to continue to say this. Asar Thompson is proving to be a cornerstone of the Pistons franchise moving forward. No matter what happens, whether front office changes, whether coaching staff changes, heck, no matter, even if one of the core four, two of the core four, heck, I don't care if they move off multiple people from the the core. All I know is Asar Thompson is proving to be a cornerstone for the Pistons moving forward. I think this dude could be a superstar in the future. I think this dude has an insane ceiling. And, like, I can only imagine what he's going to be in four years. Like, he is absolutely going to be a cornerstone, a two-way superstar. A guy who can be one of the best defenders in the entire NBA while having a unique skill set offensively that isn't matched by many people at all in the NBA. While having a freakish athleticism, I think he can be so good in the NBA. But either way, yeah, they used him that way offensively tonight, and I've been begging for it all season, and they finally did it, and it was fantastic. They It produced great results. So hopefully you see that moving forward, and hopefully it's – you get to see some of these things be effective against defenses that aren't basically uh, sitting combs and, and, and standing chairs or, uh, you know, you get what I'm saying. Um, let me know what you guys think. Comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. When we come back, I want to talk about some of the defensive issues that the Detroit Pistons are having, some things I saw at the game myself. I want to talk about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, FanDuel Sportsbook. As the weather gets colder and my guys at freezing in Michigan already, or maybe I shouldn't say already, it is December, it should be cold. But either way, the NFL offers stay hot in on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 winning money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use and there's a wide range of betting options including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And a few years ago, when betting became legal in Michigan, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what app to use. I didn't know what service to use. I wanted to use one that was really self-explanatory, that made things super easy, and also made it super fun. And FanDuel 
was the option I went with, and I haven't regretted it since. Again, super self-explanatory, extremely fun, and it's not hard at all. It's not hard at all. So if any of you guys out there have not gotten into betting you want to, FanDuel is the option for you. Very self-explanatory, easy, and there's a lot of stuff you can do on there. So many different options. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to kick off the NFL season and get started with the NBA season today with FanDuel. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's with FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free to available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, so since I was at this game and I was pretty close, I was in the, in the media row, you get to see and hear things that you just wouldn't see on – wouldn't be as easy to see on screen. I obviously went here on screen. And the thing that jumped off, you know, the court for me, the, the thing that really was very obvious to see tonight was how bad the defense was for the Pistons and how much they struggled with communicating. The Pistons play a very simple switch-everything defensive scheme. And I believe – oh, I'm sorry for hitting my mic just now. I believe that is because one or two things, or maybe a combination of both. One, they're a very young team, so I think maybe the coaching staff, for the last few years, this has been the same thing, by the way. They've played switch heavy for the last few years. But they have a young team, so they don't want to put too much you know, stress or you know, make it too complex for, for the young guys to try to learn and you know, keep it simple for them so they know what they're doing kind of thing. Or two, uh, they're building their entire defensive scheme around Isaiah Stewart and putting all the resources into Isaiah Stewart being this dominant switching defensive big man. One of those two things is the case. Maybe it's a combination of both. I don't know. Point is, um, not only do I disagree with it, I, I don't agree with switching everything no matter the personnel that you have on the floor or the personnel you're going against. Like so many times tonight, the Pistons kept switching Stu onto Halliburton and Halliburton just had his way in the fourth quarter. And by the way, Halliburton was talking absolutely crazy, not only to Pistons fans, but to Piston players in that fourth quarter. I'm not going to say which Piston players, but some people started chirping at Halliburton throughout the game. And in the fourth quarter, when he kept getting that switch on the Stu, not only were what was were the baskets loud, Halliburton was loud. Like he was, he made it known to everybody what he was doing. Um, so I think he's at a point where you probably should stop talking trash to him. Like, stop stop trying to piss him off. That's how good he's gotten. Um, but um, you'd switch Stu onto Halliburton, and not only would that cause a mismatch there, then you got Asar, who's stuck underneath the basket on Miles Turner. And that's just a mismatch. Miles Turner is much bigger than Asar. And the Pistons got dominated on the glass in this game because of stuff like that. Um, so I don't agree with the, with, the, with the scheme in that sense, but I also understand that the Pistons don't really have the personnel mm-hmm. To, I don't think any scheme they run, I don't know if they have the personnel to be a, an average defense, no matter what, what kind of scheme you try to do. Um, so I, I understand that from Monty's perspective. Either way, point is, when you run a switching, switch-heavy scheme, it's supposed to be because it's one of the easiest defenses to try to execute. Now, maybe you're not, you know, it may not lead to good defense, but being able to simply switch should be easy. Like, it doesn't take much, you know, much complex it's not complex at all man you just switch but the pistons on i can't even count 
it felt like it, there was at one point, I believe in the second quarter, the Pacers were shooting like 71% from the floor. I believe at halftime, they had more turnovers than missed shots. Like the Pistons couldn't get a stop. And yes, because Indiana has one of the best, if not the best offense in the NBA at this point. But also because the Pistons literally were just giving them open shot after open shot after open shot because they couldn't execute a switch. They could Every single ball screen, every single off-ball screen, the Pistons were butchering the switch. I don't understand how. Switching should be the easiest defensive scheme for you to try to execute. I don't understand how they've messed it up so often and so much within this game. Like, that is such a... That is such, like, high school-level stuff that you have to execute. And they did it so many times over and over and over and over again. And maybe that's one of those effects of losing 20 in a row. You're seeing guys not care on defense. You're seeing guys just lose focus defensively. You're seeing them build bad habits. Maybe that's one of the products that we're seeing in real time of being on a 20-game losing streak and having this losing culture. But there's no reason in hell that they should have been lo- or messing up the switching that often. And one of the reasons that they kept messing up on defense when it came to switching, kept messing up off ball, at least in this game, that I was there and I got to witness, they don't talk to each other at all. They don't talk. On defense, they are as quiet as a mouse. Maybe some guys may say something every now and then, but they literally say nothing. I I didn't hear them talk to each other once. Not going to lie to you guys. I didn't hear them talk at all. And then after a a wide open bucket was given up, after, uh, you know, uh, uh, um you know, a switch was ruined or they didn't do it right and a guy get open shot, all that you would see after a made bucket, guys turn around look at each other like, oh, what happened? Like, they're all confused. Like, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why? You know, you messed up here. You messed up there. Like, they're all looking at each other like confused. Like, they messed up. No, you messed up. Like, it could all simply be, and again, I'm not saying the Pistons would be an average defense after they do this. I don't think they have the personnel to be one. But at least they wouldn't be as flagrantly disrespectful to the game of basketball and how badly they were messing up their switching if they just communicated. If they just communicated, hey, switch, 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 switch. Or, hey, low man, low man, low man. I'm behind, I'm behind, I'm right here, I got you. Like, stuff like that. Like, that's basic stuff you do in high school. Hey, kill, I got you behind, I'm right here, I'm right here. For some baseline, for some baseline. Heck, even in pickup games, even in pickup games I play, a ball screen comes up. Pick left, pick left, pick left. I got you, I got you. Get over, get over it. Hedge, 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 hedge. Switch, 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 switch. Go with mine. Like, that's stuff that you do in high school that I do in pickup games. Like, we do in pickup games. And the Pistons, like, just don't talk at all. Like, at least in this game, they just don't talk at all on defense. I don't understand it. I, I don't get how they uh, – why it happens. And I, I was honestly sh- shocked at how many times they messed up a simple scheme of switching in this game. It, it was bad. It, I, like, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't see how it happens. But, I mean, it is what it is. So that's where the Pistons are at. They're two and twenty-one. Two and twenty-one, man. Think about that. Two and twenty-one. Like they are in pace. They're on pace for what? 23, 46, 69. What they're on pace for what? Seven wins? Eight? Seven, eight, nine wins, somewhere around there. They, they they very possibly could be the worst team in the entire NBA if they don't change things. If they don't make some kind of change, they could be the worst team in NBA history. Change. Change needs to happen. Like Tupac said, man. I see no changes.
I wonder if how many of you guys actually like understood that one. <laughs> how many of you guys like uh, you guys? I wonder how many of my listeners are too young to know who Tupac is, man. Am I getting like? Are we at a point where people don't know who Tupac is? But anyways, uh, that's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen every single day. If you're available on all your podcast platforms, hit that subscribe on the YouTube channel. Leave us a five star review, whatever podcast platform you're listening to. So until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe. Till next time, peace out.